another episode of the Bear Down Podcast, joined for today's episode by Chase Davis, Arizona baseball outfielder. Chase, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good. Want to get into an amazing season for you so far in life and baseball and have be a couple of guys talking ball. But let's start off at the beginning, Chase. Sacramento kid, grew up in, in Northern California. What was your kind of childhood like growing up with sports, with, with soccer, with, with baseball? Growing up in Sacramento, man, it's very, uh, very homey, people like to say. Um, lots to do at the same time. Um, it's very quiet as well. So you have a mix of both. Um, lots of people that I grew up around with that are very close to me still today. Um, I know it's a small road over there in Northern <laughs> California as well. So um, it's also very fun to be there as well. And just, you know, it's, it's some place that I could always call home, regardless of where I go in life or no matter how long I'm at some place playing baseball or whatever it may be, Sacramento will always be home. Now, growing up, you also played soccer. Yeah. What was Chase Davis, the youth soccer player, like? He was very outgoing and running around, always doing something crazy, just like he does today. And um, that was something, a portion of my life where I still think about today, actually. You know, it's funny because I've always had a passion and love for soccer growing up. I, you know, I played it you know, basically my whole life until about 13, 14 years old. So it became part of me. Um, always balancing it with baseball. So I think, you know, that was something that I would never, ever forget in, in, in a time in my life that I really hold close to me. And I made lots of friends and family through through soccer as well. And um, and athleticism built very strongly as, off that as well. Do you look back at your years of playing soccer and pick up on anything that you think maybe helped you with your baseball game skills that you took away from playing soccer? Yeah, I think as far as uh, the tempo of a, of a game, I think really in baseball, things can get really, uh, really fast on you. And I think in soccer, I was able to really learn how to slow that down. And uh, <clears throat> that was a sport for me that it was always more fast paced than baseball. Soccer, there's always something going on. So uh, that, that was something I was able to do is, is play in a sport that had, you know, very quick pace. And I was able to transfer into a sport like baseball, which I've also been playing my whole life as well, much slower. So I was able to slow everything down naturally because I just came from a quick sport. Tell us more about how baseball came into your life. And obviously you, you transitioned from soccer to baseball. Yeah. What age, what were, what were we playing? Four years old, four years old. I started T-ball. Um, I remember my first vivid memory, you could ask him, my dad, uh, <laughs> wiffle ball in the garage. He had his, uh, he had his Porsche parked outside of the driveway and he threw a ball. He, I grabbed the bat. He let, like the bat was sitting on the ground and he said, okay, go grab the bat. And he told me this story. Cause I don't remember obviously yeah. being four years old, but he told me how this went down. So, um, he told me, pick up the bat and I picked it up from the left side. I got in the left-handed stance and he told me, he looked at me for a sec and he contemplated switching me to the right side, but he was like, you know what? I'm gonna let him stay right there. So he let me stay in the left side. The second or third pitch wiffle bowling through, I hit it off the fender, off the light of his Porsche, the oh. front right light. And I went up to it and I gave it a kiss on its fender, he told me. And I said, I'm sorry, whatever, and I apologized. But he said, you know what? I'm gonna let him stay right there. And it's gonna be a, you know, we're, we're gonna see where he goes with that, with that you know, setup. So um, four years old, T-ball all the way up until, you know, present day to day, 2022. It's been a long, um, long, long, time playing this game and so lots of learning curves. Hitting lefty because dad told you to grab a bat in the garage and it was it was it was Dude. it was love at first sight then from there on. I out. still remember it like it was yesterday. Now, That's crazy. Fast forward a couple of years. Yeah. Looking back now, I'm thinking Chase Davis the little leaguer. What's the scab report on him in his little league days? Ooh. 
don't throw a fastball at first strike because I remember I used to just swing. I used to swing and I knew, of course, I'd have some discipline at that age because, you, you know, you're just learning the game yeah. or whatever. But um, I would just be ready to go and hit a hit a ball far. I'd always just have so much joy hitting balls far. And, you know, it takes you long ways in this game. But um, I had so much fun, remember, you know, as, as, as I think to when I was just little playing this little league game, just always love to play running around smile on my face in the outfield looking at whatever it may be in the last minute focusing in on the pitch and little league it was just memories man fun times <laughs> <laughs> so you, you come to arizona yeah. uh you start off as a freshman uh you get some appearances some 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 game time uh what number did you wear as a freshman i wore number eight and as you, a freshman and you transitioned to five this year yes what was the story behind that well, I wore number eight as a freshman because number eight I wore growing up my whole life, soccer and baseball. It was my lucky number. And then I was actually going to stay with number eight through this sophomore year. But our new head coach, Chip, you know, it all due respect, he wanted that number. I'm going to give him the number. You know, I'm not going to say, nah, nah. So <laughs> he has number eight. He's rocking number eight now. <clears throat> and I thought, I was like, you know, I have a favorite player. And he likes to wear five. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear five too because I 13 was my second choice. Another one of my teammates has it. So I was like, you know what? Let's go with five. And um, five is, say, working out pretty well for me. It is. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's an homage to the favorite baseball player. Carlos Gonzalez. Carlos Gonzalez. There yes. it is. The story behind Chase Davis five. Uh, you played, I've been talking about played as a, as a freshman. Yeah. Do you remember your first hit as a Wildcat? Yes. My first hit was as a Wildcat was um, against Southeast Louisiana. And uh, it was a righty. And we were wearing red, they were wearing green, and I remember that game. We were up by a little bit, so I got an opportunity to play. Um, and got a fastball low on the side, turned on it down the right field line, and got a, got a triple and dove in the third for my, for my first hit, man. It's pretty, it awesome. pretty good memory, obviously. A reason <laughs> to remember, February 26, 2021, Southeast Louisiana. Yeah. Pinch hit in the seventh inning, tripled the right field on a 1-0 count. Yes. Didn't even have a strike on you yet. Wow. Swing it. There you go, ready to go. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, you know, you played and made some appearances as a freshman, and then things have really taken off for you here as a sophomore, Chase. I mean, we can go through the defensive star plays. You've got some walk-off home runs. You've got grand slams. You've got awards. But when you look back at it now, as we are here in the home stretch of Pac-12 play your sophomore season, yeah. what do you think you took away from your freshman year? Or how did you think you developed and to make the improvements to have the great season that you're having so far? Wow, you know, it's funny because you can go so many ways with this question, um, but the, but the most important way I could say is not being able to feel as comfortable in the box and on the field freshman year was something that taught me and I was able to learn like, okay, you know what? You're not getting as many appearances as you want and you're not getting to play as much as you want. Okay, so what? Instead of instead of being a bad teammate and throwing a fit or whatever you may call it, I was able to look back and, and take a step back and really be like, you know, it's just not my time. There were guys in front of me that were able to be more consistent and play better at the time, and our coaches felt like they needed them in that spot, and I was totally okay with that. And I told myself I wanted to be wanted to be the best team that I could be. So I think having that experience and not being able to do what I really wanted to do freshman year really just taught me like, all right, you need to go all out for the rest of your college career, however long you are here. And I told myself, and I promised myself this at the beginning of uh, you know the fall of last year before my sophomore year, I was like, you know what, this spring, I'm gonna do the absolute best I can and put up crazy numbers and help the team win a national championship. 
And, um, you know, we're on, we're on pace for that. We got to keep winning games. But that was the biggest learning curve I had to go with, was not playing as often as I wanted to freshman year. And that, you know, put a fire under me for my sophomore year. An ultimate lesson in patience, I would say, right? Patience. Like, it's just patience through the process, patience day to yes. day. Yep. Um, and obviously, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, your sophomore here, season here under Chip Hale, how has he and the staff helped you in this kind of sophomore success? They are very, um, they're very free. And when I say free, I would say, you know, as a, as a hitter, you have mechanics that you really love to use and you, that you're accustomed to. And um, when you have a coaching staff that that is kind of forcing you to do something one way and it's not really working with your body and you feel uncomfortable for it with it, you know, uncomfortable doing it for a long period of time. It's hard to be able to grow into yourself and really, you know, unlock the, you know, your most potential you have. And I think with this coaching staff now this year and Chip and Toby and Brian Anderson and Tripp and all those guys, they are able to let us do what we you know, are most comfortable with in the box or on the field and let our body flow naturally. They'll make some tweaks here and there, but for the most part, if they're letting us go and letting us do what we need to do, we're gonna, they're gonna see the best results out of us. And that's the biggest difference from this year compared to last year is just comfortable, you know, being comfortable and uh, accommodated. Give me your favorite Chip Hale-ism or mannerism. He likes to say a lot of stuff and he's a very funny guy. But one thing that comes to not only my mind, but will come to every single one of my teammates' minds is during practice, this man will randomly, you have a fungo in his hand, just like twirling it, right? You'll just randomly put the fungo down and start doing handstand walks. Like he'll get on all, you on both hands, start doing handstand walks, like 20, 30 feet and just bouncing. And everyone stops the practice. We're just like looking at it. We're like, he's doing it again? We're like, yeah, he's doing it again. <laughs> so it's just, it's fun to see, man. The fungo into handstand is quite yeah. the combination. Handstand walks, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Now, uh, obviously, uh, part of your success this year, Chase, and, and I know as superstitious as baseball guys are, yeah. but there's a there's a pre-bat routine for you. Yeah. Uh, it starts with the walk-up song. Give us give us your your walk-up song and the story behind us that selection. Yeah, so the walk-up song is called No Me Conoce, remixed by uh, Bad Bunny and J Balvin, and the title of that song is just basically like she doesn't know me. And that's just the title of the song, the lyrics, you know, whatever. But the, the I started the part of the song where the beat kind of, it's a little intro and the beat drops and it gives you that classic reggaeton beat and it lets, you know, me get ready mentally and physically and then lets the crowd kind of vibe to it. So it's a great song. And then when that song starts, my pregame or my pre at bat routine every single time, I like to tap the bat on the top of my cleats and just like walk towards the plate at the same time. So my mind is just focusing on just contact or it's not thinking about anything that I don't need to be thinking about as a hitter. So I'm focused, ready to go. Um, take two practice swings uh, every single time. Step back, look at my bat, breath, left foot in, right foot in, ready to go. So that routine that you have there, when did you have that established or finalized? Has that been through high school or was that since Arizona or maybe this year? That was ever since senior year of high school, ever since uh, COVID hit. So that was that was a time where season got canceled. So I had to work on something and, and really stay consistent. So I, I added that to my little routine. So that, that routine has obviously set you up for success this year, Chase. We talked about um, your first home run coming this year. Do you remember that as well? Yes, Texas against Texas Tech. Change up, blowing in, right field. Crazy home run. Two-run home run. You scored, you scored OT yep. in a major league park. So we, yes. we can humble brag on that as that well. Was, that that was a good feeling, too, as well. Yeah, that was awesome. And it was <laughs> the first of several, many notable home runs for you. Um, you've had them come in bunches. 
take me back to the Stanford finale, game tying home run, and then the go ahead grand slam. What was the feeling in your mind and in your body on two absolute stunning plays? Man, so I think for the for the go ahead or the game tying and the go ahead, obviously the first one that night, um, I was just looking for a fastball to drive. You know, the whole night I was searching and really trying to put the bat on the ball. And uh, I told myself he gave, he threw a he threw a ball in that at bat, and I was like, okay, he's coming, he's gonna come over the plate. And I was like, let it fly. And then he comes fastball, drills, drives it to right field, you know, bad job, whatever, feeling good, rounding the bases. I'm like, okay, feels good to do that. Let's keep going, you know, let's keep going. Then I find myself later in the game with, you know, the bags loaded um, against a lefty that actually had my number last year. I think I, he faced us in, at Stanford or in the College World Series or whatever it was, Bruno. Um, and he had me bags loaded in a, in a 0-2 count. First of all, the first pitch that I bagged, he threw a fastball and I was ready to, you know, tie the game up or give us the lead on that swing. Swung through it, strike one. Uh, curveball outside corner, kind of disagree with strike two. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the 0-2 count right here. Bags loaded, uh, umpires calling whatever. So I'm like, okay, anything close. Like anything close, I gotta be swinging. And uh, there were two, it was a two pitch pitcher. And our coach told us this scouting report, he rarely comes curveball, rarely comes curveball. And he has a 94 plus fastball. So everyone in the park was thinking fastball. But I was like, you know what? He might come curveball here. He might come curveball. <laughs> and I was sitting curveball. If I was, if it was not a curveball that I bat, that pitch, I would have been late and would have struck out. But I was sitting curveball right on time and drove it to right field for a grand slam. So it leaves your bat. What's going through your mind at that point? I was like, you know what? That ball better get out because I'm not at first yet and Chip's gonna get really mad at me if I'm not <laughs> at, at least second base. So it's gotta go, gotta go. And So you round, you round first, obviously celebration's on, celebration's on for a second, <laughs> celebration's still on. Yep. You're rounding third at this point. Yes. What's going through the mind? What do we see in front of us? I just look at the, I look at the, you know, three guys at the plate with Casa, Garen, and Daniel and just super excited to, you know, meet me and greet me. And I see the crowd clapping as well. And it was a crazy feeling, man. And, and you know, I still think about it, but um, it was awesome. It's awesome to do this for, for Tucson. And as memorable as that one was, yeah. you have a maybe the most poetic home run ever hit in the history of Arizona baseball. Wow. Walk-off home run versus Arizona State. I think you know where I'm going with this one as yeah. to why it became so poetic. Terry Francona. On top of Terry Francona Center on his birthday, which I found out. Um, and it's awesome for him. You know, It's awesome for us as a team, most importantly. Um, but he's a great guy and I would love to meet him someday, but it was a crazy night, man. Crazy night to be able to do that in front of a crowd that, you know, has, you know, an opponent in front of them that is known to be our rival. So, uh, that's always cool to be able to play with a fire under you and, um, you know, back and forth all night and battling, battling it out, extra innings. And, you know, I came up to the play with, with an out and I was like, you know what, I gotta, you know, I told myself, I gotta give our team the best chance to win. And, um, after that first pitch he threw, I was just like sitting on it. There's a ball, and I was like, okay, he's, he's going to come over the plate and uh, get my best swing off. And when I tell myself to get my best swing off, most of the time it's, it's a great swing. I mean, it's a walk-off home run versus Arizona State, hit on top of the Terry Francona hitting center on Tito's birthday. I don't know if it gets any better than that, to be honest Does with not. you, for, for, a, for one swing. <laughs> uh, putting balls on top of the Terry Francona <clears throat> hitting center, is that a badge of honor now for the guys, for you, of like, you know what, we can put this on the Tito? <laughs> well, you know what, it's something that they say, oh, we're just used to it now, man, we're used to it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm still trying to, you know, celebrate and have fun with you guys and everything. They're like, oh, nah, we're used to it, whatever. So it's it's always fun to do that. And home run's a home run, you know, regardless of where it is, but it's always an honor to be able to do that.
And obviously, you've gained a lot of attention notoriety for the home runs and for the hitting. Yeah. But, Chase, we would be remiss if we didn't mention your star defensive plays as well. For you out in left field, is having pride in defense and knowing that, you know, I've got a pretty strong arm and guys know not to run on me, is that a, is that a token of pride? Is that something you're proud of or something you take on as sort of a challenge of, yeah, people want to talk about the home runs, but I'm pretty good defensively too. You know, it's a mix of both. And, you know, I could say that because this game isn't one-sided. You know, you're not just a hitter. So when it's your time to play defense, it's your time to play defense and everything else goes away. So I take lots of pride in my arm. Um, I, I, you know, I noticed that teams are running less on me when there's balls hit to left field, which is really cool to know and think about. But at the same time, I wish sometimes I would run and give myself, you know, a chance to be able to make a play. And uh, if, they, if, you know, I can't get it out from my arm, then I'll get it out from my glove. And I love to make crazy plays as well. Do you have uh, an MLB or that you, a big leaguer that you focus on or, or look to just defensively as an outfielder? Like, that's what I want to model my game yeah, defensively as an outfitter, Byron Buxton is, is an outfitter that is, a, you know, he's a he's an athlete. And, you know, when I think of him, I think of not only his bat, which is really good, um, but just how he's like, a, he's like a bird in the outfield. He flies all the time. He's like, a, you know, just leaping for balls, making crazy throws, making crazy plays. And um, he's an all-star for sure. And Byron Buxton is, can fill that spot right there. I know baseball guys are superstitious. You've got the dedicated routine pre at bat with the walk-up song. Give me some other game day Chase Davis superstitions. Every single game, every single game before the game, I'm always listening to some kind of like a thumb music or dembo, which is like a Dominican kind of style music, very loud, very quick. Um, but I don't like to get super, super um, amped before a game. Like you'll see some guys before the game, they're really focused and they're not talking to many people and they're just like really focused on the game before. Like for me, I'll just be messing around, saying what's up to everyone, hanging out and like just last minute kind of locking in before, you know, the first pitch because I don't really find it productive to be able to, you know, try to lock in and focus that hard for that long before an event even starts. So just listening to some good music, eating good food, um, hanging around good people and just ready to go each and every single day. Now, I know guys love playing in the juice box, as it's called, high core, high core but high C. Yeah. You've got your, your pregame music tradition. What's your favorite just game day, part of game day experience or game day tradition at high core? As, as cliche as it sounds to say, I'd say batting practice. Batting practice for me is, 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 is something I can use to you know, get ready for the game. And I always look at it as a fun thing too, because not only am I getting my swing warmed up and ready to go, I look at it as a challenge to be able to always, I'm always talking to my group, like, oh, let's like have a mini home run derby here. Let's see who gets the ball the farthest, how many home runs. So batting practice and um, team conferences in the team room as well, looking at pitching scouting reports, we're always laughing, doing some kind of joking in there with Chip, BA and the guys and Toby and Cool Ball. We're always just talking, having a good time. So batting practice and conference room meetings before the game. Now, there's, uh, there's another tradition on road trips for newcomers and freshmen, a karaoke competition. Yes. Let, what, was the, what was the song choice and how, how well did we do? For me, I did mine. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because it's super funny. I did mine last year, Washington State, and uh, I did mine on Hey There, Delilah. Okay. And that's one of my favorite songs um, to listen to. And uh, carpool karaoke is just funny because the guys are like, some of them are really bad at singing and some of them are like really good. Um, but I didn't mind on uh, Hey There Delight. And I did pretty good because I like to sing that song in the car sometimes and, you know, volume all the way up and just like letting it go. So I didn't mind on Hey There Delilah. Um, it was a good experience. It was at Washington State. So it was after one of the games and um, it was fun. It was fun. And carpool karaoke is one of those things where it just allows the team to bond and get closer together and just have a good time and lots of laughing and joking. What was the team's response when you were done? 
They were actually kind of shook. Like a lot of them like to point <laughs> fingers and like laugh at people when they're doing it. But you know when our team's quiet listening to karaoke, they're like, okay, this guy's kind of singing pretty good. Now, don't get me wrong. I shouldn't be on X Factor The Voice, but I'm not one of those guys that are going to get, you know, on Snapchat memory and sent to a group chat later on how bad they did on carpool karaoke. So. All right, so we know you're into <laughs> reggaeton. We know you're into Hey There Delilah. Yeah. We know you're, you're into hitting bombs. Cars. You're a car guy. Yes. Now, I Dude. find that a little surprising if if you're kind of scarred from hitting your dad's Porsche with your first at bat <laughs> swing, but you obviously got past that a little bit. Yeah. What's what's our, what's our car feeling? What are we into? Okay, I'm into a lot of cars. I, I don't like classical cars too much. I love supercars and I love more modern modern kind of cars. Some trucks here and there. I'll mention okay. that in a sec. But um, my favorite manufacturer, I like you know I like a lot. My favorite one, my number one is Porsche. And um, it's funny because it's cliche because I did hit my dad's car or whatever. But growing up, I just fell in love with it. He, he, my dad was a big, you know, a big car guy. <clears throat> my uncle's a huge car guy as well. So just being around cars my whole life really created a love for that. So Porsche is my favorite make. Um, I love Lamborghini, Ferrari, McLaren, um, all those kind of cars, Bugatti, whatever you name it. But Porsche is a car and a make, and specifically Porsche 911 GT3 mm-hmm. is my dream car, and I want to buy that, you know, when I get the chance. And uh, it's a great car. I actually just got back from Phoenix on Monday test driving that because I like to go up to Phoenix all the time and test drive supercars, which is another thing I love to do on off days. Um, but Porsche, man. Porsche is a very reliable car. Very, not too crazy, like flashy, but not too, you know, under the radar. So Porsche and specifically the 911 GT3. Are we <clears throat> binge watching or hooked to anything on Netflix or a streaming service? What do we, what do we, Ooh. And is it, are we in F1 because we're on the car kick now? Or you know what? I like watching. That's more of a YouTube thing. So I'll look up a whole bunch of like car videos and car meets on YouTube and there will be like car spotter guys. But as far as Netflix, there is a show that is continuing right now that uh, me and my girlfriend do watch together. It's called Elite. It's called Elite. And it is a um, high school themed kind of uh, series with about 25, 26 year old actors, right? Mm-hmm. But it just takes place in, uh, in Spain and a lot of Spanish speaking. So it's like drama, a mix of like romance and stuff like that. So I'm watching Elite with her, um, but I love watching car videos on YouTube when I get the chance. Car videos on YouTube. Yeah. Probably a lot of Porsche. I'm a guessing. lot of Porsche, a lot of Lamborghini, Ferrari, you name it. All right. Now I'm going to ask for the Chase Davis guy report on the rest of the team. Rapid fire action. <laughs> so you, okay. you, you don't have a choice. You have to answer. Let's do it. If I go rapid fire, you have Let's to do answer. it. Let's do it. <laughs> Funniest guy on the team. Blake Paw. Blake Paw, why? Blake Paw, because he is old school humor. And everything he says, like, I don't know, he just, everything he says is just hilarious. And he can just look at you and say it's super chill. And I think pause. We have a lot of funny guys, but I think Blake's the funniest. funniest, Yeah. Who's always late? Always late. Um, I would say one of the coaches rolling in with some food. Probably Brian Anderson, BA. BA always likes to pull up last minute and like, act like, yeah, act like it's all good. You're going to be late. Don't be late with the food, right? (laughs) Don't be late with the food. Don't be late with the food. Messiest guy in the locker room. I'd say Trevor Long. Just lockers, just a mess, spewed about beyond his yeah. locker space. You no, know, it's not even super bad, but it's like, hey, like, you know, take a look at everyone else's locker. Let's, <laughs> let's get it figured out. But shout out to T Long because he could throw strikes. So as long as he's throwing strikes, I've got to give him We'll some live stuff. with it. We'll there live with go. it. Biggest eater. <laughs> Who puts away the most food when, when VA's late with it? Sorry, but Jacob Shaver. Jacob, Jacob Shaver. Shaver. <laughs> yeah. He, what have you seen him consume that made, put him in that? He likes to eat a lot of food. He likes to eat a lot of food in the dugout during the game and before practice, after practice, before games, after games. 
he's the one that's like, you know, putting stuff on his plate more than everyone else. <laughs> Shaver. Best dancer. Besides you. I would say Jack Grant. Jack, Jack Grant, Grant or Tyler Casa Grande. I would say Tyler. Tyler's okay. a great dancer. Casa, Casa gets yep. the dancer award. Yes. Best hype man. Ooh. Um, I would say, wow, that's a good one. Noah Turley. Noah, Noah Turley. Turley. Yes, Noah Turley. I Give think me an example of his hype. He is just, I thought I was electric, and I thought some other guys in the team was electric, but there'll be times where you wouldn't even expect anyone to have any energy, and then here comes Noah, like, flexing or, like, <laughs> screaming or roaring or doing something super crazy and out of the norm. So he's always, like, grabbing on my shirt, like, looking at me, like, let's go, like, just firing me up. So I think for sure Noah takes Noah Turley, shout out, hype man. Yes. Now, we've kind of seen a little bit of this throughout what we've talked about so far, Chase, yeah. but... Um, you are fluent in Spanish, yes. majoring in Spanish. Obviously, you love the reggaeton, um, but you have a connection to, to Spanish through your mother, who spoke who has spoke multiple languages. Yeah. What was that like growing up, and, and what, how did you kind of get that bilingual you know, approach in speaking Spanish instilled in you at, I'm sure, a young age? Yeah. she. Uh, it's funny because she grew up in Orange County, uh, but lived in Brazil for a very, very long time with uh, a host family. and kind of, She was kind of an exchange student, as you would say. Uh, so she lived there a long time. She was able to get English and Portuguese under her belt. She eventually learned Spanish. And her brother is married to a woman, my uncle, uh, is married to a woman um, that is from uh, France. So she speaks fluent French. So he knows French. So my mom learns some French. So my mom knows four languages, fluent in at least two for sure, like fluent, fluent, but understands four and can speak it. Um, so I, I was just able to learn that at a young age, my daycare provider. My mom would tell her to not speak English to us. So it would just be all Spanish. And then growing up in high school, I took like a break and I would like stop Spanish for like a year. And then I picked it back up junior year and it's been so much Spanish ever since. And especially coming here to Tucson and having some teammates as well. And even my girlfriend, like we all, all of us speaking Spanish and always having a good time. Why is being bilingual important to you? It's important because it opens doors, not only, you know, to career paths, but just, you know, your everyday life, you know, being able to engage in conversations that you normally wouldn't if you didn't know the language. Um, and I think really succeeding as far as we're talking about career paths, giving yourself a chance to become, whether it's a, you know, a TV, whether it's a weatherman, uh, whether it's a broadcaster, whether it's a trans, you know, a translator for a professional athlete, whatever it may be, I think learning another language and it doesn't always have to be Spanish opens, you know, doors for you and, you know, can give you chances to, to make money and make a living and provide for your family. So you just touched on it a little bit, but career paths, what is, what are our goals for life after baseball, life? Life after we're, we're done playing, hopefully for a long, long, long time. I've been putting more thought into this recently, and it's funny because I wouldn't think too hard about it, but I keep it in the back of my mind. I want to, um, I've done it here and there, done it a little bit. I want to race cars. I want to race cars, whether it's, I don't want to say NASCAR Cup Series, which I'm huge into right now. I don't want to say really that, but just um, a different kind of tracks um, across the world, popular ones, whether it's racing supercars or I don't know what, I, the they could just expand. I don't know what it could be, what I could you know possibly achieve, but keeping that in the back of our mind, maybe uh, even broadcasting, stay in the game. You know, I love baseball, so stay in the game is a very, very possible you know you know opportunity. So whatever it may be, racing cars, baseball, or you know even just spending more time with family, or even going on vacations more. And even bilingual broadcast, right? Like there we, go. we can call baseball in English mm -hmm. or Spanish. So, mm -hmm. well, that's that's it for this one. We went over a lot, Chase, but. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for your time. Hopefully you enjoy on Cinco de Mayo with Spanish-speaking car nut. <laughs>
<laughs> and hard hitting at the plate. Chase Davis, thanks for joining us. Chase, Bear Down Podcast, download now.